Hello, I'm Zoe Duff, and this is Don't Say Maybe. We all have dreams and plans for what we'd like to achieve in our lives. Frequently, life gets in the way, and we find obstacles that slow us down or completely derail our hopes. We say, oh, maybe, someday, if things change. Some people don't see obstacles, they see challenges, and they find a way around, over, or through things that most that stop most of us. Today we will be looking at our COVID blues with a different lens and exploring the concept of grieving change and how to work through it. It has been a long while since my last episode. Being Canadian, I'm going to say I'm sorry to you, my wonderful listeners. Many things have happened, and it has taken the wind out of my sails. And yes, even people who seem to have it all together and manage to make life work have their times of feeling overwhelmed. We're all human, and life can pack a gut blow sometimes. It is what you do with that and how you reach out for help and support that makes the difference in what happens next. My father passed away rather suddenly, and my mother followed him less than nine months later. Executor duties are tremendous in a normal world, but COVID closures of banks and no funeral gatherings impeded and made things a lot more complex. Then in the fall of 2020, I I began to wind down my work and train up a replacement for my retirement. You don't realize how much corporate knowledge you have until you have to pass it on. Holy smokes, it was exhausting. I was also working on these podcasts, learning to live stream on Twitch, and working on several publishing projects. Busy, 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 and stuffing grief down into some part of my left shoe. Retirement day came and went. I continued to consult by Skype for a few weeks. The planned extended European vacation was of course cancelled, and then I pretty much slept for six weeks. I was deeply depressed, and yes, I realized that grieving for my parents had caught up with me, but what the actual hell was wrong with me? I just couldn't focus and make headway on my to-do lists. It wasn't until I saw a post by today's guest that I understood that I was also grieving the loss of a job I'd had for 20 years and the massive change that retirement in a COVID-restricted world had brought. Acknowledgement is the first step. So here I am a few weeks later and it feels good to be producing again. I have no idea how I previously accomplished so much while working full-time There doesn't seem to be enough hours in my retirement leisure days. Hopefully today's interview with my guest will be as motivational for you as it was for me. Joining me by somewhat sketchy Zoom audio is Belle Zajic. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Belle Zajic, who is a grief recovery method specialist. Hi, hi, having me. Hi, Belle. Welcome. And uh, okay, so 
That's a, I saw your Facebook page and I thought, wow, this is really interesting. I've got to have her come on my podcast. So here you are. So tell me, what is a grief recovery method specialist? Okay, so the grief recovery method is an evidence-based, action-orientated process that can go through, help through and loss and emotions related to loss. And I actually went through training that allows me to, um, that certifies me to help people through this process. Um, and and help keep them focused on the method it's more education based than it is therapy based so i'm not a therapist i'm not a registered therapist um i came to this method myself uh while i was grieving and it worked so well for me that i thought i want to share this with everyone and so i looked into the training Sounds good. Um, so tell me, what is the what is the philosophy? Okay, so the basic philosophy of the grief recovery method, some of the things that really resonated with me was their overall definition of what grief is. And first and foremost, grief is a natural and normal reaction to a loss event. And um, I'll go into a little bit more about what that aspects means in a sec, but the other way that they define the Institute, the Grief Recovery Institute defines grief is that is the conflicting feelings that are caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And when you're able to break grief down in that way, it kind of expands the definition of what grief is. And so when someone says grief, typically they feel a death or your your grief attend. Several years, what they've identified is there's actually over 43 different kinds of losses. 43 different kinds of losses? Yes. So death is not just one kind of loss. And that you can have losses that are positive in nature that still have grief components to it. Um, The example that they give in the Institute um, that really resonated with me, um, because I've even found myself in this trap, is I got promoted at work. And I remember one of my mentors saying to me that one of the issues after my promotion was that I didn't put away my toolbox. So I hadn't moved past doing the doing work into doing the leading work. And when I look back on it now, part of the reason for that is even though the promotion was a very positive thing in my life, I still had that grieving process that I should have gone through in losing that team that I was a member of, that part of my identity, that that, that that's what I did um, for a job, um, and things like that. So even in positive loss cases, there can be a grief process. And so that was another thing that really resonated with me. 
and then finally one of the things that it really kind of breaks down is and this is through no fault of anyone's own this is a new uh, a new way of looking at grief right um is that we have these myths of grief and these are propagated from childhood they're societal norms it's the way that our parents were taught to deal with grief the way that our grandparents were taught to deal with grief um, and those are things like don't feel bad so if you can look back to you know the first time you had a loss as a child many people lose a pet sometimes those reactions are don't feel bad they're not in pain anymore don't feel bad they're in a better place and the whole time you're basically being hardwired and encouraged from that time forward with that kind of an input to actually not process through your feelings of grief it it teaches us that grieving is not a safe thing it's not something that we should be doing in front of other people and so that's the that's one of the other myths is grieving alone um, another one is just it just takes time time heals all wounds and another keystone of the philosophy is everyone's individual grief is different right. there is no comparison comparing grief with each other we can have the same grief event in our lives but your reaction to that it could be wildly different from mine exactly yeah you see so that a, you see that in uh, families where one family member has passed away and the people just uh, it's uh, way different how people react to to that and how they act out on their grief it's true um and so when i took the first three um, weeks of the course. So I came to the grief recovery through a group that was recommended by my psychologist. Um, I'd gone through uh, several losses all in a row. In uh, 2017, I lost my job. And as I had indicated before, for a very long time, who what I did was a big part of who I was. And then I just couldn't find work because the economy here in Alberta, I live in Alberta, Canada, it just wasn't doing very well. And uh, then, you know, I had some loss of friendships. I had some loss in my family. And then the following year, I had some relationship issues. And it just seemed like one thing after another and finally i just um luckily i feel very very blessed to live in canada where they have support for such things i was able to through my family doctor get in a program and that's what led me to the grief recovery method and i tell people that there's a relationship in my life my relationship with my mother that i struggled with my whole life in the last two years has been the first time in my life that I've been able to have conversations about that relationship without choking up, without feeling those physical aspects of grief. Wow. And so learning these things, these myths that are given to us as children and actually sitting down and processing through those feelings of grief 
Um, so grief, uh, according to the philosophy of the method, are wishes. So things we wish we had done better, different, or more. They are unresolved expectations, hopes, and dreams. And there are other significant emotional statements that may be left unsaid in those relationships that were impacted by that loss. And working through this method, I was able to work through, because it's so action-oriented, um, I was able to work through grief at a much quicker rate than I or I hadn't even looked in my relationship with my mother as a lost relationship because she was still alive. Right. So <laughs> just opening my eyes to the fact that that was grief. Do you think that um, experiencing several things in a row that were loss made you more sensitive or makes not you particularly, but a person more sensitive to the next loss that they take it because they haven't really healed from the last one. And do you think, Absolutely. do you think that uh, a negative relationship is a, a more intense grief than a positive one or are they about the same? I would say it would depend on the griever and the experiences of that griever in relationship in, in, in regards to that relationship. So um, every relationship is unique. Uh, it's, uh, I, I participate in a wonderful relationship orientation called polyamory. And one of the base um, kind of truths that I hold on to in the practice of that way of living is every relationship is unique. And so it was really easy for me to make the connection with the grief recovery method because I already truly believe that and who I am. And so to your other part of that question, absolutely. So unresolved grief creates what I like to call, this isn't something part of the method, but I like to call security points in your head, like a little pin. Your brain puts a little pin in a memory and it sticks it there to protect itself for, from emotional pain going forward. And until you resolve what put that pin in there, that pin, that memory will always impact and have a ripple effect into your other relationships and the way you approach life in general. Interesting. So yes, if you have trauma as a child and you are unable to resolve that, that could impact your relationship with your spouse or your, your own children, um, and I feel for sure that my relationships have gotten better after I've worked through the process a couple of times through some of those like important relationships. Interesting. Yes. So, so, so grief is not just infant event related, like the passing of a person or a pet or something. It can be loss of a situation it's about the change itself yes not necessarily the the event yeah so in the method we also talk about intangible losses so tangible losses are those things that we can put a box around and go yes this this happened um but there's intangible losses uh the the loss of trust 
in a person, an environment, or a thing. Uh, the loss of financial security is a huge moment that people are not talking to each other about, especially right now during COVID. Like that's a that's that's definitely a change in your normally expected behavior patterns or patterns within your household. Yeah, it's very stress-related too. And yeah, you're right. People aren't talking about it. Especially that financial one. It's, I don't know why I, again, in some ways I do feel blessed having the parents that I did growing up because those types of topics were not taboo in my household. (laughs) And as part of my, uh, this is, this is just one aspect of my life coaching business. Um, And as part of my life coaching business, I actually coach people in their 40s that don't know how to properly budget. Oh yeah, because it wasn't taught in school. It was something you learned on the fly. Or if your parents knew what to do. And like banks have tried education, but (laughs) Um, there's, you know, also the loss in our body. So that's usually a loss that we see people are not really encouraged to grieve in a healthy way is if, you know, through the aging process or, you know, things like MS, fibromyalgia, you're losing a sense of autonomy in your body. Right. Um, and that's a grief event as well. It's true. I remember seeing somewhere a grief scale years ago. They had things like death of a spouse and divorce and moving to a new house and there's a big long list of them and they had them rated about which would be the most impactful and I thought that was a bit facetious because impactful to who? <laughs> the guy who wrote the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and yes I, I did mean that to gender that that way. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, it's it, it was it, it was eye-opening so um, the last grief event that I think kind of t- took me over the edge was the death of my grandmother. And it's funny because now that I'm giving the, like, uh, coaching people through the men- method, it comes up this memory a lot. And so I used to tell people, because I wasn't really a, a heavy griever, um, and I used to tell people, oh, I've just, I don't know why I just don't grieve. <laughs> I know why now, because I've broken through some of those walls. Um, but I think when my grandmother passes away, it will be the most impactful test of my grief. And people would say, well, why? And my response to them was, she is the most stable, positive female role model in my life. And so that now I look back on those memories of saying those to those people. And what I was really screaming out loud was, I am grieving the loss of my relationship with my mother. Oh. Yeah, I see that. And so when I was able to peel that back and go, oh, it made grieving my my grandmother easier because I recognized where the source of the pain was, where, where I was stuck, where those emotions got stuck and couldn't express themselves. And realizing that was helpful enough. 
Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Interesting. I, um, you had mentioned on there about uh, COVID and the COVID restrictions. There are reactions to the, to this, and then, like, as you say, financial loss and all that's related to it, um, is a is a, a it's grief. It's not just oh my god, this is so annoying to wear masks. It's grief that right. we're experiencing. I and yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are acting out because in in some cases in those ways because part of part of their coping strategy, their normal coping strategy for grief is to act out. Um we are in unprecedented times. There is absolutely nothing in our history that we can actually look at to see what the future holds. Really? Yes. And that can be very daunting for a lot of people to have that kind of shone in their light, uh, in their face. On top of that, you're having to raise children at a time where you yourself are, are experiencing unprecedented grief. And so one of the, so the grief recovery method is just like a base program. There's also one called helping children through grief um, that I run. It's a group session. So I'll bring together uh, teachers, uh, other coaches and stuff like that to talk about how, um, how to break down those myths and not propagate those with another generation. So <laughs> willing the powers that be out there to help spread that out as far as I can. Um, but there's also the pet loss, the helping children through grief. Um, but that's a huge, it's a change in that pattern. So mom and dad aren't going to work every day. They're going to offices. Sometimes those offices have to be shared space with kids that are going to school or may not be going to school, depending on where you're living. Excuse me. Um, and they are trying to adjust to seeing their classmates through video conferencing software and teachers who are also stressed and grieving um, because their jobs are changing. There's a lot more pressure in some ways, a lot less than others. There's just nothing the same. Yeah, my so. brother My brother was telling me that he, he's... Um got teenagers in Ontario and they're just uh the I think the youngest one just got to go to school yesterday for the first time since before Christmas and uh he said the teachers are not impressed with their grades and riding them to motivate their kids and 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 get better grades out of them and that he said he and his wife are more concerned about their mental health than than what their grades are that they're they're really struggling with yes. this and so it would be the grief but I'm wondering if the the teachers are still being graded themselves on the grade point average that's coming out of these kids and nobody's giving them room for for grieving the the contact it's, it's got to be a lot harder to teach somebody on a video cam than it is to teach them in person right right so they're right. they're probably grieving that too and not recognizing it and and I would agree with that too um, I would say that those that are putting in the gargantuan amount of effort. So another part of the myths is this thing called the, the short-term energy releasing behaviors. 
And so these are things that we do as human beings to release those, those grief feelings, those negative feelings that we don't express and that we don't com come to completion on. Um, food is a big one in North America, especially food, uh, alcohol and um, recreational drugs. Um, and in some cases, work-life balance becomes the stirb. Binge watching TV shows becomes the 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 emotional releasing behavior. Don't know um, anything about that. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the I'm fine and and what is referred to the Academy Award winning behaviors, right? Because we've been taught that it's unsafe to express our negative emotions or what I like to call protective emotions. It's uh it's it's not safe to express them with everyone. Because when we try to express them, we get the don't feel bad, you need to work harder, replace the loss, get a new puppy. Um, yeah. or, or this great one, there's a better guy for you out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah. So just replace that loss. Or, you know, but that doesn't actually make us feel better. When, when the Institute did a survey and they asked grievers, what did you want? hands down what they wanted to be approached with was what happened tell me what happened they just wanted to tell their story to someone they felt safe to express those emotions with yeah because you're still dealing with um, shock I suppose mm -hmm. right and it's it's uh, a, a very we're not good at being vulnerable with people I don't know that it's some, sometimes it's you don't want to be vulnerable with people because you don't feel safe or it's you feel like your vulnerability is a heavy weight on someone else and you don't want that to do that or experience that, have their weight on you. Yeah, well, but I would say that those are two spokes of the same wheel. Somewhere along the line, the person saying that has experienced that from someone they went to give their grief or to help like express their pain body to someone and that someone made them feel like uh, a burden yeah. and that immediately makes them feel a, an unsafe person to express those types of emotions with yeah, and then you're uh, in turn afraid yourself to yeah maybe be inadequate to the to the, the person's grief too there's that right um but it's not like these, like, it's not like the person you had gone to that made you feel or that that person went to. It's not like it's intentional. Um, maybe in some cases it, it, it's, you know, meanness and, and semi-intentional. But the majority of the time, people don't want to stop you. They're, they themselves have difficulty holding space because they were never taught how to hold space and to ask someone, how may I best support you right now? Right. Some of us are taught to fix it. Other of, of us are taught to ignore it, but it's very rare. And I'm, and I'm, but I'm starting to see a change so that's making me very happy, but I feel, I find it's very rare, especially in my generation to find someone that was actually taught how to ask someone, how they wanted to be supported instead of assuming. Yeah, we just assume. Asking people what they what they want to experience 
is becoming uh, more of a norm that I've noticed. Even right down to what pronouns do you want? Like, what do you? How do you want to experience my interactions with you? Right. Is is a really uh, interesting way of looking things. And for sure, my generation is not something that we would do. So it's a, a learning curve over here too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> I. <laughs> When I went through this this process the first time, I remember I, I'm sitting in my group, think like re, we're reading through the book, and I'm thinking to myself, I am not a good person because <laughs> I propagated these things with people too. How many times did I tell my girlfriends, "Oh, there's better for you out there. He didn't deserve you." <laughs> like, I it's you go through these processes sometimes, and you kind of replay your own life back in your head, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's where that was." Yeah. And I can, I've done, I've, I've, I've gone through the program so many times now that I can really kind of almost pinpoint where some of my myths came from, like the exact situations, like when my grandfather had his aneurysm or, you know, my, the loss of my first pet, you know, these sorts of things, they become very ingrained into who we are because our brain is just made up that way. It's a culmination of all the memories that it has stored to do with that event. Right. That leads to the action that the brain suggests we take. <laughs> and we're socialized to follow that as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so you said the book. The book. So the book is called The Grief Recovery Handbook. Um. If you decide to go through the program with me, you will get one for free in any format that you choose. They come in all major formats. Um, the hardcover, hardcover or paperback, the audiobook or the ebook. Um, you can download all of them from Amazon for sure if, if you'd like. Um, What's the author? The author is John W. James and Russell Friedman. All right, we'll so put that. Well, I'll put that in the notes of this session, this episode. Yeah, so. I can send you the link to the Amazon.ca one that I use. Alrighty. Okay. Sounds good. Um, and no. if you'd like, if if people are interested in in um, going through the process with me, I am one of a handful of people in Canada that are registered to do it online, so virtually, one uh, with people through the one-on-one. -on -one program you can reach out to me on facebook i'm just kind of getting uh my social media presence sorted out um you can find me on facebook if you use the um the at symbol in your search and then a g r m s b e l and that should take you to my page all right it's a nice page too um oh, thank you so what kind of, uh, you said if we sign on, if I signed on with you, so what's the process? So the process is um, I take you through the method. It's a seven-week process. And so it'll be about an hour to an hour and a half virtual like video um, conferencing with each other. And then another hour to two hours of homework a week. And the homework is not... Uh, 
super time consuming, but about halfway through the program, you start to delve into some potentially really emotional stuff. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. Um, it's for some people, it's really quick and easy for other people. It can be a painful process, but that's, that's why I'm here. Um, that's why I took the training that I did to help carry people through those, those difficult relationships that they are needing to work through. Hmm. Okay. And so then they would approach you uh, on your Facebook page Yep. and ask for a consultation. Yeah. So then first, and yeah, thank you for prompting me to that. So the, the first consultation is free. And so what I'll do is I'll sit down with you and we'll kind of go over what brought you to me. Um, and then I'll collect some information from you. Um, and I'll give you a little bit more about my background, what, what brought me to the grief recovery and a little bit more information about the grief recovery. We'll both decide if it's a good fit. If it's a good fit from there, I basically send you the book in whatever format that you like. And then we start at the agreed upon um, time. I'm currently booking into March. Anyone who books by March 31st gets a uh, 50% off the program. All right. And so there's a, uh, uh, there would be a fee at some point. Yes. Yeah. Um, typically I would charge around $750 Canadian for the, uh, seven week program. Um, but like I said, till the end of March, and then I might assess it to see how, closed everything is still at that point in time and extend that 50% off. I, I actually plan on extending it until uh, um, basically things relax due to COVID. Once things relax with COVID, would you be doing in person? Uh... Absolutely. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So I also would be doing in-person one-on-one and I would be doing groups for the the grief recovery group um, method is an eight-week program. Um, obviously, if you do it in a group, because there's more people, there's a cost-sharing aspect to it. So it does tend to be um, a lot uh, less expensive than the one-on-ones. I also do a several-week uh, helping children with grief um, in person. I'm finishing up the courses to do it online. There's like little uh, add-on courses that they've been offering so that we can do the, this work online. And um, I also do a six-week pet loss group. Okay. And so if we're still one on, here's a question. If we're still one on, uh, uh, online and, and we're, we're, you know, into March and I'm a... Um, uh, a parent and I have uh, a spouse and say two kids and and we've uh, just lost our our cat and we're having a hard time because we also lost grandpa uh, six months ago um, would you talk to the family together could they no I uh, because I am not a certified psycho psychologist um, I, I don't work with children directly. So I would work with the parents of the children. I would help them through the, the method on, on, on their loss. And then 
I would also impart on them the helping children with grief. And if a family like that came to me, I would probably do some sort of package deal that the parents could get it to kind of together and we would walk through kind of uh, parallel through those sessions. Right. So you could talk to the, the, the <laughs> two people. I was thinking about what you said about everyone grieves differently. Mm-hmm. And they might have totally different ways of expressing it. Would that work into in the session? You'd be able to work with them? Um, yes, absolutely. So as as long as they're adults, I would I can work with groups of up to six virtually. Um, and the reason why we do six is actually Zoom. Zoom has a limitation for everybody being able to see each other comfortably, six squares, so two by three. Um, once everything is relaxed and I'm doing groups one-on-one, I can take a group of up to 10. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All righty. And so I'm a little skeptical, Sally, over here, and I want to know <laughs> who's taking this course and what their results are and and how do I know that this is, this is worth a chunk of change? Okay, well, what I say to those people is... <laughs> What is your peace of mind worth to you? Because this program has been absolutely invaluable to me. I put an investment in um, with the Institute to take the courses to become certified so that I could be the best assistance that I could be. I had actually started kind of semi-helping some of my closest loved ones through the process already. They bought the book. You can go out and buy the book. If you want to go out and buy the book, it's available to everyone. You don't have to pay me to, to guide you through the process. Um, the book is $20 Canadian. Um, so so that's not where I was going, though, that, that I don't think Belle is a good teacher. I was oh. going where... where um, Oh, where's the evidence? How long has this been going on? Is this something they thought up last week or, or is this... Some, oh. Like the, this, this recovery program has been going on for 20 years, plus 20 years. Right. I thought um, there was a banner on the book that said 20th anniversary edition or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, John W. James, um, who also is not a, a clinician, he experienced a whole bunch of loss in his life. And this is just like, he got curious about it instead of being upset about it he got curious about it and so he actually started working with different universities um and other um uh, data collection to do surveys of people who were grieving and so they've tweaked the program over the last and i want to say 30 years actually Uh, they've tweaked the program over the last 30 years um based on those survey results from what people who both attend the program and don't attend the program say um, and how they feel about it and the fact that the the amount of people that have gone through the program and have expressed that this program has changed for them um, is significant in my books there's hundreds of thousands of people uh, that have been helped by this program that's what actually, I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's actually this this program is endorsed by the doctor who came up with the stages of grief. Oh yeah. 
Yes. So there's an aspect of the book, and there's uh, uh, I'll I'll put this file up on my Facebook page so everyone can access it too, um, where she she had actually released after the stages of grief kind of made a, a big splash in the psychology world. She actually released a white paper where she talked about the fact that the research that she did was actually structured specifically for people who had recently found out that they had terminal illness. And that wasn't to be assigned blanketly to grief. And then she talks about how this program, she had seen the evidence. And there's other um, evidence documents that I can, and I'll link this, I'll link it all on my Facebook for people to find. It's a powerful program. Sounds like it's had uh, quite an impact on you, for <laughs> sure. And I think that you're uh, very brave to take it on as something to share with other people and help other people um, with this. Um, I think that's amazing and, um, and well done. Thank you. I, I didn't know how many people were struggling until I posted my Facebook page and shared it with just my Facebook friends. And it has grown exponentially from there. And I've received messages from all over. And I just feel so much gratitude to the universe and the powers that be that led me to this method when I truly felt like I was at my darkest hour. Hmm. It sounds... Uh... Sounds wonderful. When I first saw your page, it uh, tweaked with me uh, the bit about COVID restrictions being a reaction to that being more of grief than than just being annoyed. Um, but I was also thinking about um, uh, what you said about uh, an undealt with grief uh, layering for for a person as they go through things when things are repetitive like that. Because uh, I lost my uh, my father and then my mother um, the next year and then I retired this year and I I didn't realize but that I'm I I had you know you get busy and with when when dad died I was uh, helping mom who was executor and not very good at it and I was so I was busy with that stuff and then when she passed I was busy with that stuff again and just getting all the loose ends tied up and all that. So you're sort of busy with that. And then I moved into a period where I was getting ready to retire and thinking I had to get a whole bunch of crap done that had been sort of on the side of my desk and I didn't get done. So I was busy doing all that and putting in lots of overtime and so on. And then when I came to the point of retiring and this, oh yeah, now it's vacation time. What, what is that? <laughs> where's the, where's the day to day? Where's the, hey, I need this, I need this. Um, because I was an office manager, like everyone yeah. would, they needed anything. It was me they went to and, uh, they, yeah, they, the, they, the central cog of every office. Yeah. And so I was missing being the central cog and heavens, they nearly lost their minds because I wasn't there anymore. Just all of a sudden, even though we gave them six months, almost a year's notice that I was uh, retiring in December, they, they still... The, yeah, and and uh, when I look back, I still I see now that it was grief that that was the 
the thing and it was a layering because I really hadn't de dealt with my dad's passing and lo losing him and it was like my best friend and losing my mother who was a little bit more negative relationship but still important uh, person and then you you tend to when children are involved even though they're adult children now yes. you tend to take their grief on to yourself because you want to fix it and make it better for them so what I hear is you were being strong mm -hmm. or trying you were to keeping busy so these are the myths that they talk about in the book yeah just keep busy work more don't pay attention to it put a box put a ribbon around the box put the box on a shelf or, but or someday tuck, it, that, tuck it down deep inside right until but that someday, day it erupts yeah yeah <laughs> like that random wednesday afternoon that you're sitting on the beach after your retirement party and you did nothing right? but and you do nothing but cry and you can't figure out why yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no that's and and that's a there's physical manifestations to grief too and they talk about it in the book and they talk about it in the method um i've had uh i none of my clients uh have had any health shifts like major health shifts but i have heard stories about people who were suffering from fibromyalgia who after they went through the program and helped deal with some of that grief their pain lessened so sometimes stress, anxiety, grief, whatever you want to call that protective emotion can cause, can be a physical manifestation in your body and in your energy. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, so, and I believe in that, the energy practitioner uh, side of things as well with the chakras. And I had gone through Reiki and all of these sorts of things, and I had had um shaman tell me that i had unresolved grief but no one ever gave me a roadmap for how no one ever yeah. said okay this is what you have to do blah 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 this re grief recovery method is this is what you do this is homework for week one this is homework for week two it's a series of small chewable chunks of that grief breaking it down so that you can look at it with curiosity and compassion. Yeah, it's a bit like cleaning the garage, isn't it? You've stuffed everything in there. You got to take it out a little bit of a time because it's overwhelming to look at all yeah. that emotional baggage. Yeah. Right. And yeah. another thing that I just love about the method is it forces us to look at those relationships um, kind of like from the outside in like cleaning out the garage i like that analogy actually i might steal it <laughs> um sometimes when you're cleaning out the garage you open a box and you have this amazing feeling of nostalgia and happiness and love and then you grab the next box and you open it up and it's like what <laughs> i can't believe i kept that for 25 years and i've moved it twice yeah um the same thing when you're going through these relationships uh you there's always good there's always bad and when you look at it from an objective point of view and help release some of those like stuck emotions those hopes dreams um expectations and those wishes the better more differently when you can express those in an appropriate way 
it makes a difference. Right. Or even just e expressing them at all. Acknowledging them. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, is there anything else? Uh, oh, we talked about a, a community. Is, is there a community of uh, so, pe people? So, absolutely have... there is. So, right now, actually, the Grief Recovery Institute is in the process of setting up their own Mighty Network. Um, and it's almost done. So, currently, all of the Grief Recovery Specialists and the Advanced Grief Recovery Specialists, like myself, are testing it out and finding all the bugs. In the next couple of weeks, I'll be posting it on my page um, if people would like to join that. And, you know, there will be events posted there and things like that. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm currently in like my third wave of people going through the, the process with me this year. And I haven't yet decided on a platform on where I'm going to host my community um, because I'm waiting to see what's happening with the Grief Recovery Method Mighty Networks. Right. Um, I like but, Mighty. I like Mighty Network. <laughs> yeah, it's. I like the. I like the Mighty Network platform. Um, I've I've looked at it a little bit. I think it's an interesting concept. It's like a miniature Facebook. Oh. Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to tell us about? I don't I don't think so. I think we kind of went through everything. I talked about the myth. Yeah, no, I think we're good. I <laughs> I'm just very passionate about this work. I I kind of caught that. And uh, you're a, a very good personality to be in this work, I think it seems to be um, a good extension of, of who, who I know you to be anyways. Oh, uh, I appreciate that. Um, I'm reading a book called um, It's Okay That You're Not Okay. Um, can't remember the author's last name. First name is Megan. It's very similar um, uh, uh, kind of thing. She is a psychologist. And she, um, cl clinical psychologist, and does a lot of trauma work and, and um, you know, recovery from sexual abuse and that kind of stuff. And yeah. and uh, she, uh, her partner passed away, drowned when they were out at a beach thing, and it was all sudden and everything. And and she said she wanted to contact all of her clients and apologize afterwards, but she understood how stupid oh, he's in a better place, and things like that feel when you're the person that's grieving. And she talked about exactly what you said about grief is being the G word. It's not something we don't acknowledge and don't um, allow people to talk about, and really all you want to do is talk about what happened. But and, and on your terms, you know, don't, yeah. don't ask me for the gory details, but I will tell you this much. And when it comes up to my need to tell you I will tell you this much and not anyways it's very it's a good book it's very very similar um ideals I think yeah uh James talks about his story you'll you you read about uh John James and Russell Friedman uh their stories unfortunately John James passed away himself 
a couple of years ago and his son Cole kind of like has continued the work. But um, that's one of the things that I, that he talks about hitting him the most is that no one, it was that no one seemed to care that the, the things that people were saying to him weren't helping him. And, and it's because people are uncomfortable with other people's grief. And it's, it's again, no fault. It's a, it's a natural human reaction to stability within the tribe, right? Like, oh, let's make this person feel better the best and quickest way we can. Um, people get uncomfortable around heavy conversations sometimes. Um, and it's, again, these are things that we're taught. These are behavior patterns that we're taught by the people that model them for us. So even if we didn't have a parent say specifically to us, don't feel bad. Maybe we saw our father become a workaholic and modeled that behavior. Yep. Because I know that's the behavior I model. Yep, me too. Yeah, my dad was definitely a workaholic. Um, uh, and again, it was his generation, it was my grandfather's generation that taught my dad that too that it was like work hard work hard work hard provide for your family work hard work hard and i feel that we as as a society we as a the human condition are starting to push past that um at a rate that is has been unprecedented in our history to this date so the embracing of our emotions that concept that we should feel them, not hide them, not, you know, drink them away, not, you know, get on a motorcycle and drive from one side of the country to the other. It's, it's okay to feel them. Yeah. And there are people out there like me and like you, because, you know, you and I have had a couple of conversations that care about people yeah. that won't say this is not a safe space for you. Yeah. I think we're evolving. And in this way, I think we're evolving for the better. I see more and more safe spaces for men to express themselves emotionally than I have before, um, which warms my heart to no end. Because I think that uh, uh, I've always felt I was encouraged to express myself um, emotionally to a point. <laughs> It's like, use your feelings words, but in a very logical, non-emotional way. <laughs> That's so. a challenge. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if the, uh, the, the, the silver lining to the COVID restrictions is that we've, we've stopped, we've started realizing that there's, we need quality of life. It's not just, we have to, you know, we, we've stopped having to rush to work we've stopped the sky the word the planet is is recovering nicely from their lack of um pollution and stuff because yeah and consumption yeah and so <laughs> you know maybe there's a benefit there but we've also realized that our elderly should not be the thing we don't want to talk about because they're old and we stick them over here in the home that that there's there's a problem to that and now we're seeing what the problem is and we're um looking at relationships a lot a lot closer than we probably 
have done in previous years with our with our busyness we stuff busyness in the way of of relating and now we're we're having to to look a lot closer at at ourselves and what quality of life looks like and what our relationships look like yes and i hope that that trend continues honestly um i think that a lot of people like you said um that we have been impacted financially in some cases households are down to one income if they can make it and they feel comfortable at the end of this do you think that both parents are going to go back to work hopefully they don't have to make that choice yeah right so like and i think that's awesome in all honesty i <laughs> um to uh, to kind of, I guess, sidebar the conversation, consumption culture and capitalism has been something that I've never really in, enjoyed the philosophy of it. Um, so watching the consumption in just such a short period of time, the way that it's gone down, also because in some cases supply is no longer there. I, I recognize that too, but you're right. The changes in the environment in a year, um, the changes in our family lives, for some people I do recognize not for the better, but in a lot of cases, um, we're seeing families coming together at a, in a way that had been unprecedented in my generation. Mm -hmm. Like my generation was the latchkey kids, right? So <laughs> family game nights. Um, my stepchildren live in Ontario. I maybe got to interact with them once a year. I've online gamed for years, but it never crossed my mind to Jackbox and Zoom with my stepkids. Ha, huh. yeah, I do that with my grandkids. I was playing uh, Among Us with my gra grandsons this right. uh, last little week. Yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah, and you, do, you and don't I'm, think about it. But and the I'm considering a family account on Tabletopia. Huh. For the same reason, because I have a nephew that loves board games. So um, I think that there are some benefits to what we are seeing with COVID right now. But it still changes in normal expected behavior patterns. Yeah. And different people are handling it different ways. I've, I've been watching my friends. Some of them ignore it. Some of them rile against it. Some of them, um, they hide in, in, in their hobbies. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm keeping busy. Um, it's been interesting to watch how people react. I, I have some friends that are like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And then restriction gets tighter and it's like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I always just say to people, like, I'm here for you. I'm always here for, for my friends um, holding space. And I will support them in any way that they want to be supported. That's great. So that's something that we should probably all work at developing is the ability yeah. to hold space for other people and and trust that people hold that space for you as well right yeah so the the trick that i learned there was if i am starting to feel drained by the energy exchange of a relationship 
that it is perfectly okay to change the boundaries of that relationship. Um, one of the worries that I had actually going into grief recovery work was, am I going to be able to hold my line with my clients? And so I really thought hard about that before I undertook this work. Um, because I know I do have a tendency to be a fixer and things like that. Um, so that's really where I focused my research is in, in alleviating those concerns within myself. Because if you have anxiety, you shouldn't take action. That's one of the things like um, if, if you're unsure, if you're, if you're not 100% committed to the goal, maybe don't take an action in that direction. But um, that's a good, that's a good uh, benchmark. I like that. Well, it's anxiety. This is why I call them protective emotions, though. Um, because anxiety isn't a negative thing. Anxiety is just our heart's way of giving us a warning signal. Signal, Warning. Something in our brain pin, one of the pins in our brain, reminded me that this might not be safe for you. And again, if you approach that feeling with curiosity and compassion, then you can sometimes look at it and go, yeah, yeah, I see why you could feel anxiety over that. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Or, yeah, I can see why I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety over that, but I'm just going to jump in anyway. But at least you're making an intentional decision with that anxiety, with what it's doing, instead of letting your brain to give you that automatic coping control. Because then you'll slide back into those award-winning behaviors, those I'm fine, those work, you know, this, the short-term energy releasing behaviors. At least that's the trick that I use to keep myself from going straight back into, that's I'm going to work 16-hour days. <laughs> that's a good trick. Um, yeah, I either do the 16-hour days, the Netflix binge, or suddenly I'm super tired and got to sleep all day. I've done all those things. <laughs> you might be my spirit animal <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when they when i first went through the program we got to the the short-term energy releasing behaviors i made a little giggle <laughs> humor deflection um <laughs> i yeah, made huh? a little giggle because i like i'm like i like to do all of them together <laughs> <laughs> i like to binge eat while drinking getting lost in social media while watching a tv show hopefully with you know Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I used to be a master at that. Um, another thing that I used to tell my friends to do that I'm like, what was I thinking? Is I actually had a series of like three or four movies that I knew would make me cry, like ugly cry. And so every time I needed to release some of that kind of pent up protectionist emotion, I would just pop one of those babies in and ball my life. <laughs> And it would make me feel okay for a little while. Right? Permission to sob. Is, is you're not yeah. actually relieving that behavior. No, you're just uh, relieve, releasing the symptoms. Yeah. Huh. Yes, we might be spirit. You might be my spirit animal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I think we've pretty much covered all that needs to be covered. Thank you for coming on and telling us and giving us a new perspective on grief. And, Anytime. Uh, and uh, 
I think Belle's wonderful and y'all should go and jump on her program. If it, if it uh, rings bells for you, go there. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I'll close today with the warmest of wishes for you, the ones with the great ideas and the new adventures who feel overwhelmed by barriers and the ones who feel strangled by super stressful finances. I see you. A nod to our sponsor, Philadelph Publishing, and a shout out to our podcast production team at Ponies Tech Corral. Special thanks to you, our amazing listeners. Keep sharing, listening, and commenting. If you have someone who inspires you, let us know at Zoe, Z-O-E, at don't say maybe, all one word, dot com. And we'll ask them to chat with us in future episodes. Until next time, I'm Zoe Duff, and don't say maybe. <laughs>